When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. If you're a night owl looking for a great job, Walmart is hiring overnight shift workers. Pay starts at $14.50 to $15.50 per hour, and you'll earn great benefits, including 6% 401k match, $1 a day college, time off when you need it, and discounts and savings. Other opportunities are also available with varying pay rates for daytime shifts. Text 240 to 240 to apply with Walmart today. Again, all you have to do is text 240 to the number 240 to apply. Welcome, everyone, to another main event, Mark's Podcast. I am a lifelong wrestling fan and figure collector. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Troy, and joining me, as always, is the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia, the leader of the Overdrive brand, the main event collector, and he is the Elix Skipper to my Christopher Daniels. He is Greg. What's up, Greg? What's up? I'll take that one. I built this house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You work at Applebee's now, and I work at AEW. So, which one of us worked out better? Well, I mean, Applebee's. At least it'll be AEW. Anyways, you look Skipper so damn underrated. Yeah, I always thought he was really good. He had, like, a cup of Fast. coffee in WCW. And like, uh, on Team Canada, mind you. I, I know. Why? But Team Canada in, in TNA, which we are going to be talking about today, actually uh, spawned a, a few, mm, I want to say, 
they were big stars in TNA as the time went on. They had cups of coffee in WWE or a couple, you know, of, couple of TNA champs. I gotta say, so yeah, right, yeah. yeah so, so we are talking about the glory days of TNA, and some people argued that the glory days started in 2004 and went to I would say uh, 2009. Some people say it started in 02, but eh, I don't think so. I mean, we're going to say the glory days were the pay-per-view only days. Well, I think, yeah, because I think they came up with, what was it we just reviewed? Is uh, now in the archives, some from O2, we just covered. Oh, uh, the Raw, the episode of Raw? Oh, yeah, the episode of Raw from October 2002. Uh, that was right when TNA was bought out by, uh, well, majority bought out by Panda Energy. Dixie Carter took over and whatever, so... And Explosion debuted that month as well. I'm not going to consider because that's at the end of O2. And I mean, O2 was all right, but I mean, it had a lot of garbage in it as well. Some highlights. So I'm not going to sit there and say 2002 was a banner year for them. Uh, probably started O3. But 2004, you and I were talking about, isn't this their first like Sunday pay-per-view? Yes. Yeah, it's like an actual monthly pay-per-view now instead of the weekly stuff that was... Weekly stuff was abolished in August, I think, or something like that. Ah, okay. And they got Jeff Hardy here on the car. I mean, he's in the main event. They've They've got stuff going on here, man. It's not the same TNA that people were used to. I mean, in some ways it is, you know, Jeff Jarrett running around as the NWA champ and, you know, bringing in people from the past. But they literally have done that forever. But yeah, I, you and I were big TNA fans back in the day. We bonded over that before anything else because, um, you know, that wasn't necessarily the popular thing to be a big TNA fan. But we did it. And uh, I I don't know. I loved TNA for, for years and years. I was kind of sad when it started going downhill and uh, the big names started leaving it seemed like every time somebody got big enough, they were like, oh, WWE's calling. Bye. Yeah, they were the breeding ground. <laughs> I mean, I, the only ones I can say the exception to is, I mean, AJ Styles was always a top star. I think he went about as far as he could go in TNA. And then the other one was Samoa Joe kind of held out. I, I think he stuck around way too long. And Abyss. Abyss should have left way before he did. I mean, not that he was like, oh my gosh, he's amazing. But, I mean, I, I like Abyss. He's yeah, actually sure. on this card. He Well, he's now in the backstage of WWE. And that's about all we can say for TNA right now. We're definitely going to get into the event at hand. But for those of you that don't know, um, we always, if, if you're a new listener, we always get into the news and notes of the time. We only have a few stories this time around. But, you know, stuff that I wanted to get into. So let's take a let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into all the news and notes from the time. Uh, but since it is thanks, uh, close to Thanksgiving, we're going to go into the break with. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. 
Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Now, back to our program. All right, time to get into the news and notes from the time. We are in November of 2004, just got into November. So the first story is like the biggest thing that was going on in wrestling at the time. And two it's of the biggest... This? No. <laughs> two of the biggest stories I have are out of WWE, actually. Uh, one of them... The, the the big thing everybody was talking about at the time was WWE is in the process of thinning out its talent roster, and it seems like the Raw brand is getting hit the hardest as eight superstars from Raw have been let go, as well as two from SmackDown. The cuts include Billy Gunn, Albert, Test, uh, Gail Kim, Nidia, Chuck Palumbo, Jazz, Rodney Mack, Johnny Stamboli, and Rico. And of all of them, I believe Test is the only one that comes back. I guess, yeah, Tenzai came back, okay. Still, I mean, Albert came back mm, here and there. in 2004. He was a train, right? Yes. Yeah. So I think he went to Japan from this and he stayed over there for a long time. And then they didn't bring him back until when, when the hell did he come back as Lord Tenzai? 2010? Nine? Ugh. Yeah, that was he was in Japan. So we got to make him Japanese. I do have a Mattel figure of that, though. I have a I have a Jax figure of A Train, so there's that. Of course you do. Yeah, why not? Uh, Billy Gunn went to TNA uh, shortly after this, I believe, and he was the outlaw for a while, and then he was, uh, I think that what do they call him? They, he went through like three different names. I know he was uh, Kip James after a while. What was his first name? Was it Kip? Yeah, I don't, did they just call him Kip Sop? Like his Maybe? real name. I, I don't remember. If somebody remembers, please let me know. I know he was the outlaw, Kip James, uh, and then he was like there for a while. He was the outlaw, and then he was like nameless because he was like he wore a shirt that said N I N, no introduction needed. Like, look, I thought it was a nineties nail shirt. I really did. <laughs> right. I I really did. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a Philly Gun <laughs> fan, and I think he's he's great and kind of underrated but they act like he was this huge get oh my gosh it's billy gunn no introductions needed we already know who he is like come on like <laughs> well road dog was there too so uh excuse me he was b g james b Jizzle. the hell out of me <laughs> uh gail tna and became a like big deal there she like her, her WWE career is like a blip on the radar compared to anything she did in, in TNA. And wasn't she? I know this is laughable, but wasn't she a TNA Hall of Famer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only female in the TNA Hall of Fame. As if that's a real thing. But uh, anyway, moving on. Nydia went nowhere. Chuck Palumbo. Chuck Palumbo came back. I think he did. Yeah. So. They got rid of two-thirds of the full-blooded Italians here, because they got rid of Johnny Stamboli. Oh, no. 
He went on to DNA to become a uh, relic, which of course is killer spelled backwards. <laughs> <laughs> God, uh, I, you couldn't go an episode in 2007 without hearing that. Right. Uh, I think jazz popped up in TNA for like a second. And now she's in NWA, I believe. Rodney Mack disappeared off the face of the planet. And Rico, I guess, went back to being a security guard or teaching karate or I don't know what the hell Firefighter? he did. Firefighter? Oh. a cop? Oh, uh, yeah, he was a cop, yeah. Something like that, yeah. So, yeah, that's what he did. Uh, second story here is the nothing really to laugh at here. This is kind of messed up. I mean, I don't like snakes, but, you know, this is pretty messed up. Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts has been found guilty of causing unnecessary cruelty to his pet Burmese python. Roberts apparently starved the snake to death from August to September in 2003. Roberts did not show up to his trial, and a warrant for his arrest was issued. <sighs> wow, I forgot about that. I didn't even know that was a thing. According to uh, a couple guys... <clears throat> They used to have to get Jake new snakes on the regular because he would either forget them in the trunk in the middle of winter and they would freeze to death or, you know, various other mishaps would befall these snakes. So I wonder why he forgot them. I wonder if there's like a, <laughs> I, I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you probably shouldn't trust a dude who is an alcoholic with, you know, uh, if, if only. Yeah, well... That's sad. That's the least of his problems. Yeah, alcoholic, drug addict, whatever. Don't trust him with, you know, animals. Well, so what you're saying is don't trust a snake. Oh my gosh, I missed that one. <sighs> wow. I would <laughs> say it's sick. early, but what's like 11 o'clock over there for you? Yeah. <laughs> Joni China Lauer is set to appear on season one's reality TV show, The Surreal Life. <laughs> Anything uh, for a buck. Yeah, I've never even heard of the surreal life. Uh, I think it was a bunch of celebrities that lived in a house or something together. Uh, okay, yeah, it's coming back to me. I know, uh, I know the Miz got his made his living there for the longest time off of reality TV, specifically MTV. I think they just you know paid him weekly for for uh, being on all their crappy shows. Kind of like USA does now. Wow! Yeah. Well, I Actually, know, I like Mr. and Mrs. It's pretty funny. I was just kidding. I know he was on the real. His claim to fame was being on the Real World, if you want to call that a claim to fame. And then he was on. My cousin used to watch a lot of MTV, and he had it on one day, and that that one show came out, Road Rules. And I was like, "Holy crap, the Miz is on here too!" And I'm like, "He's just like on all their terrible reality shows." Like, all right. What do you mean um, terrible? I said what I said. All right. Uh, final story I have here. Speaking of uh, tough enough contestants, on November fourth, two thousand. Well, I was talking about the Miz, so I meant the real tough enough, not that. Uh, okay. <laughs> what constitutes real and fake tough enough to you? Uh, the one that was in the house, not just on SmackDown. On the November fourth, two thousand four episode of SmackDown, Kurt Angle challenged contestants from WWE reality show Tough Enough to best him in the ring. <laughs> that was this time period? Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I guess it's news, sort of, but it's become legend throughout the years. Daniel Pewter stepped up to the plate. Daniel Pewter, for all of you that don't remember, was uh, his his claim on the show was that he trained in MMA. He did, like, 
minor MMA like fights and stuff. Uh, anyway, he stepped up. They're tussling with Angle for a few moments. Computer gripped Angle's right arm, forced it into, at an awkward angle, and by his own admission, tried to break it. The referee quickly counted the pin on Pewter and forced him to break the hold. Pewter said, I caught him in a key lock, pulled him into a Kimura, and tried to snap his arm off. And for what? Yeah, I mean, that's not going to... I don't know. I, I get that the point was you're supposed to be out-wrestling Kurt Angle, but a couple things about that. One, that's not wrestling. That's MMA. It's a little... I mean, if if you're doing amateur wrestling, you can't lock in a Kimura. Like, I don't think that's allowed. Second of all, um, if you break one of the top guys' arms, like, they're not going to give you a job. They're going to see you promptly out the door. Uh, Pritchard said a couple things about this. He said, um, the first thing was Paul Heyman said he wanted, he didn't want this to be Kurt Angle. He wanted it to be Nunzio. That's messed up. Well, because he said Nunzio's the toughest guy he knows, and he's a legit wrestler. Yeah, but he's and like Kurt Angle's not. Yeah. Well, his thing was he was like, "Well, Kurt Angle has a hurt neck, and you know Nunzio's a tough wrestler or whatever. Throw him out there." I'm like, "Uh, no. <laughs> Who would have cared about that?" And then Nunzio. Yep. When I think badass tough dudes, man, I think Nunzio. <laughs> well, and then on top of all that. Pritchard said he was like, well, I mean, it was our fault because we didn't train the referee, but he's like, this was an amateur wrestling thing. He's counting to three. Amateur wrestling, you count the pin. One. He's pinned. Yeah, right. So he's like, the referee's counting to three, and I'm like, he was like, I was angry at him, but more angry at myself, because I was like, it's it's a one count! And he's like, nobody told me! He's like, well, sorry! <laughs> wow. So this was all kind of messed up. But anyway, that's all the news and notes uh, for the time that I have. So, you ready to get into the event at hand? I think so. Okay, well, let's uh, dive into the Victory Road. Road of Victory. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Now, back to our program. All right, getting to the event at hand. TNA Victory Road 2004 took place November 7th, 2004. The tagline, a three-hour epic event. And it took place at the TNA Impact Zone in Orlando, Florida. Attendance, 700. I want to joke, but that's probably a full house for them. I don't know. I don't really know what else to say about it. But, yeah, I... And most of the morning wrestling fans, Prairie Bischoff. Yeah, he he was like, well, they just came every week because they got in for free. All right, All right I believe you. But uh, we opened the show with the trademark B-roll footage that TNA loved to use of a desert and satellite dishes. <laughs> yeah, I never got that either. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, you're, you're in Orlando. Pretty sure there's 
you know, if there's one thing Florida has a lot of, it's not desert. They were like, oh, it looks cool. We're painting over the desert with giant satellite dishes. I, it's like a Vegas thing. I, yeah, I know. Uh, also, we're treated to a voiceover by the epic voice guy who's now passed away. Unfortunately. Very, rec- very recently, by the way. Yeah, what, a year ago? A year and a half? No, it was like a couple months ago. Oh, he died yeah. in 2020? Yeah. Uh, if I knew the guy's name, I'd look him up, but I, I just, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I never figure out the guy's name. They showed him, like, in later years, they started actually showing him in the build-up footage. Do you remember that? I do. Hmm. Uh, this all took me back to my teenage years, I've got to say, because I was 14 when this aired. So, we go to the commentary desk to start the show. Don West is wearing a silver satin shirt with a silver satin necktie. Because he's a boss. Yeah, he looked like a broke pimp. <laughs> what the hell? A broke pimp. I don't know. He was <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> he was like, they say Jerry Lawler dresses stupid. Well, hold my beer. <laughs> hold my he'll brown bag special. He'll sell you some stuff, man. Yeah, well, he'll like, sell the crap out of some stuff. Like nobody's business. <laughs> He's also ready to explode all over Mike today. I noticed. Well, He's just like a giant ball of weird energy. Okay, this is not getting any less weird. <laughs> I don't know. I'll get it, I'll get more into the commentary as the night goes on, but they show Shane Douglas interview Jeff Jarrett as he arrives to the arena. I completely forgot that Shane Douglas used to be an interviewer. Uh, Jerry. <laughs> right, I did too. Yeah. yeah, Jarrett says that he spoke with Scott Hall, who assured Jarrett that Kevin Nash would not be here tonight. I didn't know the significance of this because they don't fully explain it until like halfway through the night. That, yeah, well, I, they kept using the word, the uh, name Jeff, because two, both guys in the event were named Jeff. Yeah. So it made it look like Nash was on Jeff Hardy's side. Yeah. Well, because the, the thing was, like, the buildup was supposed to be Nash was going to be in Jeff Hardy's corner. Scott Hall was going to be in Jeff Jarrett's corner. And, like, but they don't explain this throughout the night until, like, later on. Well, and, to be fair, they did on impact going into it. So, yeah, I know. It's just like if you're going into the show, not like because WWE does a great. Why would you do that, though? Why would you go to a pay-per-view not watching the build-up? Yeah, well, I mean, I've done that a few times with certain things. And because my thing, like, WWE in the last few years has done an excellent job with the build-up packages to catch you up. And so you know what the hell is going on before every match. If you didn't watch the build-up, you know, you just watch the package, that you know, for three minutes, you know what's going on. TNA, I mean, it took them a while to catch up with that. The, uh, the first match of the night here was... A 20-man X Division gauntlet for the X Division Cup. It went for 26 minutes, 25, or, yeah, 26 minutes, 25 seconds. Prestigious X Division Cup? Yeah. It, uh, it... it, I'm trying to hold a straight face saying that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember how many years they did this, but, I mean, I kind of enjoyed this stuff because they would bring in people that, you know, weren't on the roster, and I liked that sometimes, but I don't know. Who needs a job and $20? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So, and they always got Hector Garza and they always liked Hector Garza. So it was cool to see that. And they got some other people that I knew, some ones that I didn't. So I, I mean, I enjoyed it, you know, and the, uh, the world X cop and all that stuff. It was cool, but I don't know this, this match, uh, the gauntlet, by the way, I was thinking it was like a traditional gauntlet. It's not, it's basically a 20 man Royal rumble, but 
when it comes down to the last two men, they have to pin or submit the other one. I kind of like that concept. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. It just, uh, I wasn't expecting when they said gauntlet, I didn't know what to think. I don't like the traditional gauntlets. I, but I, here's where I first put, I forgot how awful of a commentator Don West really was. He wasn't that bad. Ah, uh, I couldn't stand him on this show. I mean, he, he wasn't like the worst I ever heard, but I, I don't know. And Mike Tanay, I'm getting what Eric Bischoff was talking about now, because he said Mike Tanay was great at his role in WCW. He sucked as a play-by-play. And I get what he means, because he was doing here what he did in WCW. Every guy that came out, he's running down the resume, which is fine, but I feel like that's better as, like, the third man. My God, Mike Tanay is the third man. The professor is here. Still would have been better than Mabel. Oh, my gosh. Mike Tanay just lets everyone know that L.A. Park was La Parca from WCW, but was renamed after a legal dispute. So I'm glad we got that out of the way. Uh, I kind of marked when he came out with a chair. Yeah, that was that was cool <laughs> to see. He had some moves, man. I mean, you look at him and you're like, ah, some out of shape dude in a bodysuit. But he had some moves. Uh, Miyamoto. Dancing? Had, or? No, like he was doing like flips and hurricane ranas and head scissors. I was like, dang, all right, dude. I've never heard of Miyamoto before, but he comes out in Great Muda cosplay. It's probably exactly what he is. Yeah, because he came out. Because when he came out, I was like, "Did they get the great Muda to wear his old stuff for like one night only?" And I'm, and they said Miyamoto, and I'm like, "Okay." Uh, the guy who made Mario. <laughs> I don't know, but I said obviously he was nowhere in his league. But Michael Shane has a lot of his cousin Shawn Michaels mannerisms, and he moved a lot like him. So I don't know if that's just a family thing or if he sat there studying tapes of Shawn Michaels because he's like. Well, they're going to bill me as his cousin, so which, I mean, I guess is legit, but it's like they're going to beat at home on commentary that I'm Shawn Michaels' cousin, so I really got to act like Shawn Michaels. Just like little things, that he, not everything, but little things that he would do, I was like, yeah, he... Didn't he use a super kick, too? Yes, he did. Uh, when he was Michael Shane, because at this time he's Michael Shane, uh, until WWE trademarked it, uh, he was calling... And then the, never used it. Yeah, I know. Stupid. But he called it the Sweet Shane Music. <sighs> and then once he had to change his name to his legit real name, Matt Bentley. He no, called for a minute, it... he was just Michael. Don't forget that. Oh, my gosh. I don't remember that one. Yes, so... he was just Michael. But to be fair, it was when TNA wasn't on TV. They just lost the deal with FS1. And they were ah. getting ready to move to Spike. So it was during that time when he was just Michael. So... Ah, okay. Well, when he had to change his name to his real name, Matt Bentley, uh, he... He called it the head-on collision, which I thought was a cool name. He went through so many names. Michael Shane, Michael, Matt Bentley. Uh, what the hell was he in serotonin? Was he in serotonin? Yeah, he bleached his hair out. And I thought that his... was Kaz and Johnny Devine. There were three of them. There's uh, oh. Kaz... Uh, I think I think uh, Bentley was Martyr. Was it, was it Martyr? Yeah. yeah, I think that was his name. I can't remember what Divine was. I feel like Martyr sounds right because his name's Matt. Yeah. That family just has a ton of terrible names. Bentley, Hickenbottom. Ugh. Anyway, moving on. Wow, <laughs> judge much? Yes, I do. Uh, I honestly thought that Saban was going to win this match when he came out. I mean, not now. I knew who was going to win now in 2020. But, I, you know, back then I, would, I was like, oh, Saban's going to win because 
he was one of their top X Division guys. I think uh, my money was on uh, the actual winner. <laughs> yeah. Well, the final four were Spanky, Kazarian. Yes, he was calling himself Spanky. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's Brian Kendrick. I don't care if it's a little rascals thing. That's not what people think about when they hear Spanky, but whatever. Uh. Yeah. And I'm like, why would you ever call yourself Spanky? It's just, no. It's just, no. I don't but know. I'm, Isaac Yankum? Yeah. Well, Spanky. So many entendres here. Kazarian, Chris Sabin, and Hector Garza were the final three, or four, excuse me. Kazarian was at this time, this was during the time he was calling himself the coolest Kazarian. Not the future. Yeah. Well, what's funny is his future wife was the valet for Michael Shane here, his tag partner, but didn't usually come out with Kazarian. Uh, but finally, it came down to Kazarian and Garza as the final two, where it had to be won via pinfall or submission. Finally, Garza misses the Tornillo. Kazarian rolls him up. Garza reverses it and gets the pinfall victory over Kazarian. Uncle Dave gave this four stars. I gave it three. Let's say you. I gave it three. I, I actually love this match, though. I did. I, really, I, 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 I had a fun time watching it back. I forgot how much awesomeness there was in the next division in the early days. Yeah, I mean, let's run down some of these names here. Like, it took talk about going down memory lane. We got Kazarian, and these are all in order for um, entry. Kazarian, Sanjay Dutt, Puma, who would later go on to be TJP, J. Perkins, L.A. Park, Jarrell Clark, uh, Miyamoto, Michael Shane, Hector Garza, Nasawa, Mikey Bats, who they drove that home that he, not in this match, but usually, I remember them driving it home that he was Billy Kidman's cousin. So uh, no offense, but that's not a really big claim to fame, is it? <laughs> yeah, as they're, as they're like... Do you know star. who my family member is? Billy Effin Kidman. Yeah. Oh, man, you're a star. We got we to make, uh, we gotta make some, some uh, roster cuts here. Sorry, Mikey, you didn't make the cut. But my cousin is Billy Kidman. Oh, well, I'm sorry. We'll keep you on. <laughs> uh, Alex oh, Shelley. <laughs> Alex Shelley, who was... Uh, I call this his baby fat stage because, I mean, he was uh, he was not ripped and shredded like uh, the Alex Shelley that we know and love. Well, he was the baby bear at this point. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Matt Seidel, who would go on to be Evan Bourne. Now he's back in Impact as Matt Seidel. Sonny freaking Siaki. Mm, or AEW. Oh, he's in AEW. Yeah. Okay, my bad. That's right. He's, 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 cripple, he's almost crippling himself in AEW right now. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sonny freaking Siaki. Uh, Matt, Jason Cross. I forgot about this dude. He was just kind of there. The Wasn't Sonny Siaki like the, their bad attempt at having a Rocky Maivia? Yeah. Every time I looked at him, I was like, you look like a cross between The Rock and Batista. And he just, I don't I liked him, and he was good in the ring. He just didn't have the uh, the it factor. Shark Boy. Psycho- Bobby is in there, though. Psychosis in his mask again. Uh, D-Ray 3000, who, for those of you guys that didn't know, he was just a skinny, he looked like, he looked like he could have been the son of the comedian Sinbad. Uh, I was thinking that guy... Kamal Bell, <laughs> but yeah, okay, I can see that too. <laughs> he had a big afro. Obviously, D Ray three thousand is off of Andre three thousand, but yeah, he the was. The thing he was about him is like he was. Well, I was gonna say he was a completely comedy character. They teamed up with Shark Boy. It was like, 
Yeah, and they did the battering I ram. Guess that was supposed to be a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. they did a battering ram where Shark Boy's fin hurt them or D Ray's afro hurt them. Like, yeah. And he came out picking his afro all the time. Yes. That was his gimmick. He always had an afro pick. Uh, let's see. The Amazing Red, who Don West absolutely just messed his pants for. Which, I mean, if you're going to mess your pants for somebody, I mean, sure, Amazing Red. Spence. Amazing Red's two biggest fans, Don West and Sasha Banks. True story. <laughs> wow. Nice. That's, a, that's an odd one, but... Uh, but the last two to enter were Spanky and Chris Saban. This was Chibi Chris Saban. I have a, uh, a Marvel... Alien music Chris Saban. Yeah. Yeah, he always used to wear the alien tights, whatever. I remember he had the the shoulder-length hair, and he dyed it, like, red. Like, like Little Mermaid red. And then he just... I, uh, I mean, I used... I mean, I still do, but man, he was one of my absolute favorites. Oh yeah, in TNA. I, I the Cradle Shock to this day is still one of my favorite finishers ever. Yep, I used to create him in every WWE game I had. But uh, yeah, he, I remember he disappeared for a while and he came back with like spiked blonde hair, and he said he went Super Saiyan because <laughs> he's a nerd. Oh man, him and Keith Lee should hang out. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, uh, I, I know a, a certain. Uh, faithful listener to our show may appreciate the Super Saiyan reference. After the match, someone from the Spanish announce table interviews Hector Garza about his win. Because, you know, <laughs> reasons. <laughs> yeah, obvious reasons. I, just, I, just, I, just, know I don't know why it lasted that so hard. I don't know if Hector It makes Garza, total sense the guy speaking Spanish to interview him, but I just, well, I don't yeah. know. I just laughed. Like, I don't know if Hector Garza actually spoke English because this entire promo was in Spanish. So I don't think he ever really learned English. Well, he never really, I mean, he wrestled in WCW for a heartbeat. He would make appearances in TNA. No. There's still a Garza in wrestling today, who is damn good, by the way. That is his nephew, for all of you that don't know, Angel Garza. That guy is so damn good. Speaking of, you know, some of the skinny Latin guys nowadays, him and Guevara, my my God, man. Right. That that was a, I think that's a pride and joy hire of, uh, I mean, I don't think he hired him per se, but it's a, Bruce Pritchard loves the Garza family. He said when they did that Super Astro stuff, he said the only thing he cared about, he was like, I want that that uh, Garza kid. Well, yeah. <laughs> he didn't get him. He went to WCW, but I think the reason he went to That's WCW... That's probably better, because, man, that light division, that light heavyweight division sucked. Yeah, and Super Astros was on for a couple months, maybe. Uh, but we get a... I've, I didn't even remember this was a thing. I don't know about you. We get oh, a camp- I remember. <laughs> we get a campaign commercial for Dusty Rhodes to be voted for the director of authority over Vince Russo. What the actual hell is going on here? I put that in my notes. They're they're fighting over, obviously, who's the authority figure. One of them is going to be out. The other one's going to be the guy. Of well, course, it- the one that's out is actually the head booker. Yeah, he well, said he you, wanted to get off TV, and to his credit, I believe this is one of the last times we ever see Russo on TNA TV. Well, this oh. was um, I Vince Russo loved his acronyms, man. TNA, SEX, uh, well, and now DOA, Director of Authority. <laughs> bro, so, yeah. three letters, man. They can mean anything, bro. <laughs> this whole thing, obviously, they're doing it because of you know they. They want to do the authority figure thing like you were talking about. Want to get Russo off TV, yada, yada. Dusty Rhodes, make him the guy. Also, it's November of 2004. Uh, for those that don't remember or aren't old enough to remember, God bless you. 
George Bush was up for re-election. He was running against uh, John Kerry. So, you know, that was all going on right about now. So, had to get that in there. Ugh, whatever. But anyway. Well, I believe the election was two days after this. Yeah, I think so. Well, Scott Hudson is backstage. I forgot he was an interviewer in TNA as well. But, I liked him, by the way. Yeah, I thought he was very underrated. But he's running all, running all of this down, and he says that there was a web server breakdown at Stanford, Connecticut that they're looking into. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, for those of you that think that AEW was, you know, oh, they were, you know, they they always talk about WWE, man. It's like, well, literally everybody has forever. Not saying it's right, just saying it always happens. And it's just <clears throat> subtle little. Like jab. Roman Reigns says, dude, acknowledge them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hudson interviews Kid Cash Dallas, who is now. Lan- uh, Lance Archer? Yeah, I'm sorry. He's had so many names. Lance Hoyt, Vance Archer, Vance, Vance Hoyt, Lance, Vance, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's Lance Archer. In, Either way, everybody AEW. dies, so. Good grief. But yeah, Kid Cash, Dallas, who, like I said, was is now Lance Archer, uh, and the Naturals, Chase Stevens and Andy Douglas, about their upcoming match, but Cash takes up the entire interview talking about how he's the veteran and he's going to tell the others what to do. This was the era where Lance Hoyt, Lance Archer, whatever, was, keep in mind, I mean, you know how huge he is. He was doing moonsaults. He was, like, literally about to take off, like, for, like, at least to the fans. Yeah. I don't know why they, I mean, I know he's from Dallas, but I don't know why they changed his name just out of the blue with no explanation. He's not Dallas anymore. He's Lance Hoyt. Okay. Cool. I, whatever. My only guess is a, a trademark thing or... I don't, God damn it, pal. Trademark. One name. Like uh, like Madonna. Wow. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I, I don't know why I'm like picturing him having those meetings. It's like like Antonio Cesaro. He's not Antonio anymore. He's just Cesaro. One name, pal. Like Madonna. He's just Riddle. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this next match is the Naturals, Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens, Kid Cash, and Dallas taking on the team of uh, Eric Watts, Pat Kenny, Johnny B. Bad, and Ron the Truth Killings. This okay, only hold on, hold on. So, so Cowboy Bill Watts kid. Yep. Uh, Simon Diamond. Yep. Marvelous Mark Merrow, and we'll just give the last one to him because. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ron the Truth Killings was. I mean, he. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could I, call I, him K Quick, R Truth, whatever. Can we? Let's go with K Quick. This is a rogues gallery. <laughs> Yeah, right. This is just, um, like, what the hell is going on here? I uh, also, just uh, real quick, you know, more of just, who was pulling for Eric Watts to have a, 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 a gig here? Uh, Jim Ross is in WWE, so, I mean, and Bill's nowhere near this company, so, who? Well, from everything I heard, he everybody said he was a really nice guy, and he got along with everyone, so... Is that to mask because he can't wrestle? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just assume he was a nice guy. So they're like, ah, we feel bad for him. Give him a job. But yeah, I like who the hell could have possibly given a crap about Eric Watts in 2004 or ever for that matter. But, you know, this match went just over four and a half minutes. Mike Tanay was insistent. He insisted that he tell us exactly why Pat Kenny's new nickname 
is the Empire Saint. He beat this home for <laughs> four and a half minutes. Wasn't he Irish Pat Kenny too? Didn't they make sure to let us know he was Irish. Yep. I uh, just uh And they the did make sure to say the former Simon Diamond too. I loved his theme in ECW. I list, I have that on my playlist sometimes. Uh, Simon says but either it's that's neither here nor there, but the, he just beat the damn thing home. I said I couldn't give a damn less about his nickname, about this match, about any of it. Ron Kellings ends up pinning Chase Stevens after a pedigree, but he doesn't land on his knees. He lands in the splits. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, we don't have a rating from Uncle Dave here, but I gave it two stars. Let's say you. I gave it one. It was boring. You're not going to tell everybody the thing about his nickname? Come on. Don't leave him hanging. I don't remember. I didn't care. <laughs> it was something about he he was a wrestling star in New York, yeah. and they called him the Empire Saint. I, I was like, okay. He see that. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Enough said. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, cool. I, why do I care? Uh, they couldn't even give him, because there for a while he was still Simon Diamond in TNA. Do you remember? I do. Yeah, the diamonds in the rough. And he came out to that cool instrumental of Simon Says. But then they uh, changed literally everything about him. And what little care I had for him before just evaporated in a heartbeat. Uh, backstage, Shane Douglas is by a big limo that just pulled up. He's trying to figure out who is inside. He thinks it's Kevin Nash, but the driver, uh, who looks like the guy who's now AJ Styles' bodyguard. I st- Am I wrong? Nope. Yeah, he steps out. Got a couple of inches on him, but, you know. Yeah, that's true. But he says that it is not Kevin Nash, and he argues with Shane Douglas trying to keep him back. We now see night vision footage of Abyss locked away in solitary confinement, getting ready for the monster's ball. I forgot about that when I saw it. I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was the original concept, for people who don't remember, of the monster's ball. Um, And I don't know why you would remember, but regardless, uh, the, the original concept was 24 hours before the match, you were locked away in solitary confinement in the dark. No food, no water, no nothing. And, you know, just a just a fester in your uh, in your hate and your anger. And then they let you loose for the monster's ball. So, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, do we get points for originality or no? No, because Roddy Piper did this for Super Brawl in San Francisco. And he stayed in Alcatraz for a whole day. Uh, a couple days, I think, actually. Yeah. So, but, no, it's already been used. Uh, whatever. Who's making up these rules, man? But all right. Save- Vince Russo, I don't know. <laughs> well, they're yeah. not going to eat, bro. They're going to want to kill each other. This was this was a thing Jim Cornette had a problem with, because he said his whole oh, thing... God. Was, his, Jim his Cornette thing, has a problem. There's a well, new one. Sorry. Well, not this particular match, but he was talking about his entire job, why they brought him in as the authority figure. And I, when did they bring him in? Oh, f- 5, oh, 06? I want to say oh, 06. 06. Corn- oh, 06? Yeah. The whole reason... He he's claims that the reason why he was on camera was because they, they didn't want Russo on camera. And like you said, he didn't want himself on camera anymore. And I don't believe him that I don't believe he didn't want himself on camera. But yeah. Yeah. Well, they needed he said they needed somebody to go out there and try to explain in plain English the crap that he was writing. Because he said it was so convoluted that you needed somebody to go out there and just try to explain it to the masses. And they pick a guy who wants to have his head on a stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a guy who, his first day in TNA, spit in the face of Ed Ferrara, 
and threaten to beat the crap out of them. So, there's that. But anyway, uh, well, you want to know something even even better than all of that, Greg? It's a <sighs> short match. This next match. <laughs> It's a real short match. I mean, it only. And went, you're an expert on this, I think. Go ahead. Wow. It went just shy of three minutes. It is Paratita Morgan versus Mascarita Sagrada. Mascarita Sagrada is the future El Torito. We talked about him on a recent podcast, and I can't even remember why, but we did. Uh, he comes out to a clear ripoff of Lowrider. <laughs> did you catch that? I did. Uh, just keeping up with the stereotypical whatever. Uh, at one point, Sagrada pretends to be dead, and they make a comedy spot out of it. I like the whole crowd. <laughs> How dare you? He is the top uh, mini in all of Mexico, and they you could tell this was 2004 because they openly and repeatedly used the word midget. So I think that's a term of respect, actually, for this division down there. I think they're just called the minis, but I don't, I don't know. But either way, Paratita Morgan is the mini version of uh, Parita Morgan, and who, you know, you'd have to, if you care enough, which I don't know why you would, but he's, he's a luchador, been around forever. And he's a big, fat, short guy, this, this little dude here we're talking about. Sagrada eventually rolls up Morgan for the win. This match sucked. I gave it one star. I was thinking about giving it a dud. What say you? I hated it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think I needed to say it. This was absolutely... It was just boring. It sucked. It was boring. They literally did a spot where they pretended the one guy was dead. What the F? I don't even know what to say at that point. Is there anything to say? Nope. All right, moving one on. One star, keep it moving. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, next up, we get another stupid segment with Scott Hudson talking about the DOA vote. He's then interrupted by the three live crew, who is Conan, BG James, and uh, Ron the Truth Killings. I still laugh at BG James acting all gangster. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't he like a Georgia Hick? Yeah. I mean, he's the son of Bullet Bob Armstrong. So, he is a legit badass, too, though. I mean, let's be real. Oh, yeah, he's a former Marine. So, it's not uh, like... Uh. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, all the respect in the world to him. By the way, the Marine Corps birthday just happened the day before Veterans Day, so uh, shout out for that, for BG James. But uh, Scott Hall comes out, and the very tiny crowd blows up for him. Hall says that Kevin Nash, who is supposed to uh, be in Jeff Jarrett's opponent's corner tonight, Will not be there tonight. After all, he says, quote, let the best Jeff win. I mean, yeah. look, I'm going to also I got to be real with you going into this. I knew for a fact that neither one of them was back in Hardy. I feel like they both kept, kept saying Jeff. It's like, dude, they're both going to screw Hardy over. And I, you know, they are. Yeah, this not got, to get ahead. But man, I saw the end coming from a mile away. This got really weird. And we'll have to talk about it here in a second. We get a build-up video for Team Canada basically stealing the NWA World Tag Team titles, and then the three live crew earning their shots at the titles. Uh, opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Don't call them belts. God dang it. Want a shot at the belt. <laughs> How dare you? Nobody talks like that, Greg. Well, you have to say title opportunity. I might make them have an aneurysm. <laughs> 
Oh, man. I forgot, by the way, because like I said, this was so long ago. I forgot that Scott DeMore's thing was looking into the camera and going, ha, ha, ha. It's a hockey thing. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, well, you would know better than I, which is odd because you live in California. But either way, Team Canada, which is represented by Eric Young and Bobby Roode. They have Scott DeMore in their corner. Yes, by the way, I said Bobby Roode, for those of you who didn't know. He was the enforcer of Team Canada. They are defending their NWA World Tag Team titles against the three live crew represented by Conan and BG James. This went for just shy of seven minutes. Don West clearly doesn't know how to speak over the ring, or clearly doesn't know not to speak over the ring announcer, because no one can understand anybody when they're both talking. I don't know if you caught that. I didn't. Yeah, because they're, they're playing the music really loud. Uh, the ring announcer's talking really loud, and then Don West is talking really loud. I couldn't understand a damn thing. <laughs> and in the end, Ron Killings chases off Scott Demore when Demore tried to use the hockey stick. Team Canada still has the advantage until Conan hits a face buster on Bobby Roode for the win. I will say, I did not call Bobby Roode getting pinned here, but this was two and a half stars from me. What say you? I gave it two. It yeah. wasn't great, but <clears throat> wasn't piece of crap nah this was you know obviously bg and conan in the downward part of their careers like towards the end and this was chibi bobby rude and eric young <laughs> i have a, a uh, marvel figure of eric young in his don't fire eric shirt i have a mattel um sandy figure Ah, nice. I I want that figure. I guarantee it's, like, impossible to find now, but... Yep. Uh, We now see night vision footage of Raven in solitary confinement with a street jacket on. (sighs) He said said that locking himself... uh, Locking him in a room by himself was a mistake because he's driven... It's driven him insane. It was... Oh, wow. Now he's insane? Yeah. He said, well, I was crazy before, but now I'm insane. I'm like, those words are literally interchangeable. Yeah, right. That's like saying, well, I'm not wrong, I'm just, or I'm not incorrect, I'm just wrong. It's like, same thing. I, I, whatever. Semantics. But I said it was a pretty decent promo. I always liked Raven's mic work, but he ends with a weird poem. Eh, whatever. He's another one I have a Marvel figure of. In his skirt. <laughs> we, it's uh, a kilt, pal. God dang it. I, no, I, I'm i one-fourth Scottish, and I know what a kilt looks like. That is a skirt. <laughs> I don't know why. I know Raven's just a weird dude, but why did he all of a sudden decide, you know what I'm going to do to change things up? Wear a skirt to the ring and rustle in it. Because like, nobody else ever has? And not, like, ironically, either. Just, like, like it's going to be a black skirt. And, yeah. Did he steal that from Saturn? Or like he gave the idea to him? <laughs> I don't He's like, hey, I came up with the idea for you, so I'm taking it back. And <laughs> I'm sure Saturday. I'd be like, like, you could have it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, fine, dude. I'm carrying around a mop, so it's all good. Uh, we now get a stupid campaign commercial for Vince Russo to become the director of authority, where he tries to make himself look tough and make Dusty Rhodes look old and stupid. <laughs> <sighs> we didn't, we saw Vince Russo on camera, by the way. We didn't actually hear him say a word, which I was fine with, but, you know, just point it out. Roddy Piper now comes out to the ring for a TNA-themed Piper's Pit. Oh, man. They this literally... was legendary. <laughs> well, you could tell it was a TNA-themed Piper's Pit because they literally just took a uh, like a 
checkered bedsheet and threw it on the ring mat. <laughs> uh, Money's tight, pal. We almost spiked TV money yet. Yeah. 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 Uh, gosh. Piper made sporadic, weird appearances in, in TNA, where it's like, did you just need a paycheck? And they're like, hey, come on in. Hell yeah. Yeah, whatever. I mean, if they're willing to pay you, why not? Just come in, talk some crap. But the, uh, anyway, he talks about all of the heel heat he's had throughout his career before he introduces Superfly Jimmy Snuka. Uh, oh, man. Piper. Uh, this is another segment I can't believe I forgot about until we watched it. Yeah. Piper pulls out a coconut and he puts it in Snuka's hand. And he turns his back on him, telling him to hit him. Because, you know, that moment that he smashed that coconut over Snooka's head is just has haunted him all these years. And he wants he wants Snooka to get his revenge and set him free. Uh, but he says he deserves it. And Snooka just won't do it. He just stands there staring at him. And Piper's screaming like a madman. Finally, of all people, Kid Cash comes out to interrupt them. Talks a bunch of trash to Snooka. Because, you know, that's what we need on the show is another Kid Cash appearance. Well, Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if you're being sarcastic, but yeah. Well, he talked a bunch of trash to Snooka. I was trying. <laughs> uh, then he tries to hit him. Snooka grabs him, throws him into the ropes, and chops him. Kazarian and Michael Shane, of all people, then jump Snooka, and Piper helps fight them off. Then Sanjay Dutt comes in to help. Cash cracks a coconut upside the head of Sanjay, and Piper chases Cash off. <laughs> It's just, what the F was this? Just, I, like, what was any of this? I don't know. <laughs> this was the stupidest crap I've ever seen. Well, I don't know about the stupidest, but it was yeah, right up be, there. Maybe overdoing it now. Because there's yeah, a well, lot worse. Yeah. Well, anyway. Moving on, we get a uh, more Let's keep night it moving. <laughs> we get more night vision footage of Monty Brown in solitary confinement. He delivers a very shouty promo. And breathes heavily. Play the Super Bowl with the Bills, you know. In case you don't know, they tell you 5,000 times. Well, you know what's uh, the major difference between the Buffalo Bills and Cheerios, right? Cheerios oh. belong in a bowl. Wow. <laughs> Come on. Either way you look at it, they're all O's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I actually have a Marvel figure of him, too. I was a big Monty Brown fan back in the day. I was so upset uh, that... You know, things didn't work out for him in WWE. Yeah, because Marcus Corvon, that epic theme, man. I don't know how that didn't get over. Yeah. that. Um, hey, we like you, but we're going to bring you in and change literally everything about you. Is that cool? Cool. Uh, we see footage of Trinity on multiple episodes of Impact. She says she wants, she wants to fight anybody. She's even saying she wants to fight men. But TNA won't give her any opportunities. Vince Russo finally told her that she's going to have a match at Victory Road, but she won't like who her opponent is. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So, we get this. It's Trinity with Glenn Gilberti, who some of you may know better as the Disco Inferno. Some or, some of you, everybody knows him better as Disco. Uh, I know him as Disco with a Q. No? Lord, no <laughs> Come on. No, never. Never. Come on. It was a take on Cisco. Thong song, man. And he was in the NWO and the Filthy Animals, you know, just. Uh, we try not to remember that. But you want to remember the Q in Disco. Yeah. Like I said, Thong Song, dude. Come on. <laughs> but anyway, Trinity's with. Slap you. 
Trinity's with Glendale Birdie and Johnny Epping Swinger, who is back in Impact, by the way, of all people they could possibly bring back. Johnny Swinger. Uh, there, she's taking up that corpse. <laughs> she's taking on a mystery opponent. Obviously, this match goes just shy of two minutes. Uh, one minute too long. <laughs> Trinity says that no one is going to accept her challenge and says that everyone is too afraid. So she poses with Gilberti and Swinger until Jacqueline jumps her and takes out all three people. Yes, the men, the woman, all of them. Gilberti and Swinger get involved a bunch in this very short match, but Jacqueline mostly beats up Trinity until the very end, where Swinger gets Jacqueline with a hot shot over the top rope, and Trinity nails a moonsault with a win. One star, let's say you. One star. I also got to bring up that Mike Tanay had to remind us that Jacqueline just beat Chavo for the Cruiserweight title. Did you catch that? Oh, for God's sake, no. <laughs> he brought it up in the match. <laughs> Uh, of course he did. Oh, man. Well, surprised he, I'm surprised he didn't bring up her beating Disco back in the name WCW. That would make more sense. <laughs> he was literally in the match. Well, not in it, but he was involved uh, in it. Yeah. Oh, man. I laughed so hard. I'm like, wow, I even forgot about that. I think I put it on, like, the way back in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Gosh, this was embarrassing. Jacqueline stuck around for a while. She eventually changed, just changed her name to Jackie Moore, or Miss Jackie Moore, whatever. And she was the manager for America's Most Wanted for a while, wasn't she? No, that was Gail Kim. Well, I know Gail Kim, but I thought she was with him before or after Gail. I know she was managing somebody for a while. I think she might have just been with James Storm. Ah, that's right. When they broke up, yes. you. That's why I was thinking America's Most Wanted. When they split up, she... Uh, joined up with uh, James Storm. Either way, moving on. Scott Hudson is backstage with Christopher Daniels. Oh, Daniel. God, this segment. <laughs> Scott Hudson is backstage with Christopher Daniels and Elix Skipper of Triple X. The third member was Low Key. Was he still there at this point? I think he was gone. Okay. Yeah, go figure. Low Key coming in and out. Yeah, uh, who would have called that? So it's just down to these two. Two guys calling themselves Triple X. Uh, but they say they've already beat their opponents up in the past and they'll do it again I really had no other notes for this other than uh, Skipper wasn't great on the mic and Daniels has come a long way that's all I can say did you notice that Scott Hudson brought Catherine Harris with the voting wait who the woman who was in I think she was the governor or something in Florida with the whole Bush Florida thing oh, back in 2000 sake and the other voting right now for uh russo and Rhodes. yeah he brings up Catherine harris is make sure the voting's on the up and up <sighs> let's see well let's make sure there's no hanging shads <laughs> i want to say I like, that wow, the, just... i want to say that was the number one halloween costume of 2001 was probably the hanging chad yep Remember they even used it in How I Met Your Mother. Remember that? Yeah, that's I, I remember that. <laughs> Weren't people kind of like, what the hell are you supposed to be? Yep. Yeah. Uh, but we get highlights of how Mike calling out Raven and Abyss for quite a while now. And they finally challenged, uh, and he, then he finally challenged them to a Monsters Ball match. I, I didn't watch all the build up to this, and I forget because it's been so long ago. Why was he picking a fight with Abyss and Raven? 
Just cause? Just cause. Because he just yeah. wants to beat people up. Cool. I think Raven did cost him a uh impact or the TNA title at some point too, so Ah, uh, yeah. Uh this is the Monsters Ball match. It went for nine minutes five seconds. It was between the Monster Abyss, Raven, and the Alpha Male, Monty Brown. Raven and Abyss are already battling before Monty Brown can even get to the ring. We get a shot of the rafters of someone walking around up there in a black druid outfit with their face covered. Did we ever find out who the hell that is? I think it was Eric Watts. Why? Because <laughs> he was getting rid of Hugh with Raven and DDP when he came in. God. Yeah. <laughs> who, like, not only did they bring Eric Watts in, but then they were like, let's give him a push. Sort of. I'm going to do you one better. Instead of that, let's just do something with him. Why? <laughs> well, I'm I... sorry. Look, I just... No disrespect. But man, he's not good. No. His dad was not good. What is about this family? <laughs> well, I don't know about his dad in the ring. From what I heard, his dad was good in the ring and had a good following. But I don't know. I I can't find any freaking footage of him because that was umpteen million years ago. In the South, where they didn't exactly, you know, record on them their uh, television tapes and uh, keep them around for very long. Was that really that was good. messed up? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Anyway. I don't know if it was messed up. That was a good impersonation. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, Eric, Eric F. and Watts, dude. Just, just why? I don't know. Techno Team 2000, baby. Well, my question is, did he lock the, did he lock Raven in an STF in the middle of a parking lot of a gas station? Did he? No, I just, because he did that to, to Arn Anderson, if you remember. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Go back in WCW, everybody. Uh, Arn Anderson, like, tried to attack Eric Watts at a gas station, so Eric locked in an STF in the parking lot of a gas station. Because, you know, that's a, a thing. That was clearly dad booking. Yeah. <laughs> so just... You're going to get him down, you're going to lock him in the STF. Like, right in front of all the gas pumps. <laughs> you can make that some tap out. You're going to be the next yeah. horseman. You're going to be the enforcer of the horseman now. Good lord. But anyway, these guys beat the piss out of each other. The referee takes a big bump at one point as Monty Brown power slams Abyss, which I thought was pretty damn impressive. Abyss eventually pulls out a bag of thumbtacks and pours them out because, you know, that's what he does. Uh, but Raven... Oh, no! No, Raven power bombs Abyss off the top rope into the tanks and Abyss laid out? That never happens! <laughs> okay, there are three rules in wrestling. First and foremost, Hogan must pose. Of course. Number two, now. Now, Lana must go through the announce table. God. And three, Abyss must go through tax. Yep. Well, Abyss, well, not even just Abyss must go through tax. Abyss must be, you know, bested with the weapon that he introduced. <laughs> yeah, right. Abyss just must like, be killed. Yeah. He, well, just like uh, James uh, James Mitchell said, he was like, I don't get your character. He was like, you pull out all these weapons, and every single time you trip over your own dick and you fall into it. <laughs> yep. Didn't you say he won the NWA title by getting thrown through a table that he yes. set up? Yep. Barbed wire table. This thing shoved him through it or free disqualified him. God dang it. Yeah, so anyway. Uh, in the end, Raven knocks Abyss off the apron and Abyss goes through a table. Shocker. Honey Brown then hits the pounce on Raven through another table and he wins via pinfall. I gave this two stars. What's a you? I gave it two only because it made me laugh a few times. It was entertaining to an extent, but it was garbage. Pure garbage. And I like all three of these guys. 
but not one of the best monster balls I've ever seen, I'll say that. Up next, Shane Douglas is going off on the driver of the, of the white limo that pulled up, telling him that he is going to interview whoever's inside, but the driver is not letting him see who it is. One of the Harris brothers, I guess it was Don Harris, was the only one around at this time. They called him Heavy D. Uh, you know, got to slap another gimmick on one of the Harris brothers. Heavy D was a rather large black rapper, not a white skinhead that probably hates black people. Just got to point that out. Well, yeah, I mean, the rumor is that they were um, Aryan, I should yeah. you know, <laughs> so, think. Maybe, yeah. no, but you know, what? Either way, uh, just a rumor. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, Un- Heavy D. Confirmed, and we're not going to touch that. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> Heavy. So Heavy D comes out. Uh, this is like his 5,000th gimmick. He, he gets into it, and he starts shouting at Douglas, and he, sh- and he shoves him, and then he starts yelling back and forth. Blah. Then we get footage playing of the TNA Fan Fest that went on during the weeks leading up, or the week leading up to Victory Road. I will say TNA always had good meet and greet stuff. The uh, the wrestlers legit seemed happy to be meeting with you and whatever. Because you never know when a WWE scout was going to be meeting with you. <laughs> wow. Scott Hudson's backstage again with Scott Demore and Petey Williams. Williams and Demore get mad at the suggestion that AJ Styles might win here tonight. Demore says that if AJ does win, he's leaving and he's never coming back to TNA. Oh no! I literally, I remember literally thinking this was his write-off. Yeah, I know. I was like, wait a minute. I don't think this was the end of Demore. He was around for at least another year or two. We then get a highlight video for both men and their finishing moves. And I'm gonna excuse. I'm just gonna say this was a Russo thing. Or maybe it's not. I don't know. You notice the music that they used in all the build-up packages was like that 90s club techno music. Yeah. I don't think Russo had anything to do with that, honestly. Well, the, yeah. I guess, yeah, because it started... Because they did that in WCW before Russo showed well, up. I'm just going to say, I don't think it has anything to do with with production packages at all. Yeah. Now, when, From okay, my knowledge, yeah. the only thing I've ever heard about him production-wise is he loves the quick camera cuts. Ah, uh, like... uh Friggin' Bucky Beaver. Cool. <laughs> that that does remind me, now you said that, uh, I think they did have quite a few carryovers from WCW uh, in their production department, so... Well, also on that, don't keep in mind David Sahadi, because I, I know that name because he said it all the time, worked in WCW, and he was the producer here. So yeah. it's really not just a carryover, it's just the same guy. Right, yeah. So If you notice, too, Mike Tanay is really quick to always say his name. David Sahadi in the truck, well, you know, he said it a million times. <laughs> Yeah, but we get uh, Petey Williams with Scott Demore. He's defending the TNA Exhibition title against AJ Styles, the phenomenal AJ Styles. This went just shy. Uh, of- just got to say, real quick, uh, in the middle of all this, a great wrestling match broke out. Right. I don't know what the hell happened. Yeah, this uh, this went for just shy of 10 minutes. Uh, I said this was very fast paced and Demore gets involved a few times during it. Hearing Don West shout "Pele" just took me back because you and I, you and I used to joke about uh, that. Um, yeah, there's another one coming up soon too. We'll talk about it after. <laughs> yeah, you and I used to joke about that because it was like it was almost like he's touching himself under the table to the Pele. It's like, good lord! Could you imagine him calling an RKO? My God, we may literally have we may have we may have old faithful at the damn the next table if he calls it. <laughs> Out of nowhere, my God! And I'm done. 
but I said it's funny to see AJ hit the phenomenal forearm as a cutoff move, just because he's turned it into a finisher, you know, nowadays. AJ hit has Petey pinned at one point, but the ref, like a moron, stops the count to yell at Scott Demore on the apron on the other side of the ring. Yeah, that, this referee that was a, a thing in TNA. Yeah. The referee had to watch, like, for some reason, I had to look at every part of the ring. Be a and mile like, away, nowhere near the ring, and he'd still look at it. Like, like whoa. Yeah. What are you doing over there? It's like, who cares what he's doing over there? Shut the F up and make the count, dude. Like, for God's sake. Anyway, uh, the referee ends up taking the hockey stick away from Petey Williams. So Petey just blasts AJ with the X Division title behind the referee's back. With a distraction from Scott Demore, Williams basically does the Panama Sunrise on AJ for the pinfall victory. And I know his finisher was the uh, Canadian Destroyer, but he did like the pan what eventually became the Panama Sunrise, jumped off the middle rope. Well, he literally did that only here. I don't think I've ever seen it again. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. And they made a big deal out of it. They were like, oh my god, he's never done it like that before. I'm like, yeah. So I was giving my point, too. Uh, if you think Don West touched himself to the Pele, man, how much did he lose his crap when he hit the Canadian Destroyer? Oh, I know. Well, he, he sounded like um, Corey Graves right before Neville would go for the Red Arrow. Set your DVRs! <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, uh, alright. But anyway, Uncle Dave gave this three and three-fourth stars. Not sure what shaved a fourth of a star off, but I gave it three and a half stars. What say you? I gave it three as well. They would have quite a few other great matches. My personal favorite feud of Petey Williams was him versus uh, Chris Saban. That I was a great that. one. Yeah, my favorite thing about it, because I was like, wow, it's so simple, but it's like a cool thing for a feud. Because people were like, oh, how no, you can't get out of the Canadian Destroyer. He'll hit it on you from wherever, whenever. Nobody has a has a counter to it. And then Chris Sabin ended up turning the Canadian Destroyer into the Cradle Shock, and they were like, holy crap, he's got a counter for it. Who's going to hit their finisher? So, yeah. you know, like um, I said, it was simple, but... It would be great two months from this point, they would have, like, the best Ultimate X match ever, involving all three of them guys. Well, those two and, and Styles. So just amazing how much they meshed. Yeah, the X Division was doing really good here. Uh, after the match, Scott Demore randomly tries to go after AJ Styles like an idiot, and go figure, AJ starts beating him up uh, until Team Canada chases him off. <laughs> it's funny to see AJ Styles here. I mean, it's like cool to see how far he's come because like he looks nothing like this AJ. Yeah, it's like man, he has short hair. He's wearing the bike shorts. Yep, he's not wearing the gloves. He's clean shaven. Uh, we now see footage backstage of Jeff Jarrett taping his wrists up while Jeff Hardy's painting his face. He, like, he put neon paint all over his entire effing body to the point of where it, like, rubbed off, half of it rubbed off on a Jeff Jarrett throughout their match. <laughs> I noticed. Yeah. We see a highlight video next of Triple X and America's Most Wanted beating each other up on a weekly basis and trash talking. Triple X took James Storm's knee out with a chair uh, one week as well, so he's going into this match with a bad leg. This match, like I said, Triple X, Christopher Daniels, and Elix Skipper taking on America's Most Wanted, Chris Harris, and James Storm. It is a last team standing match, meaning that apparently after you get a... It, this was different. It was almost like Texas Death Rules, because you have to make a pinfall or submission first, and then they have this to... This is literally a Texas match. Death Rules. Yeah, so... They, uh, that's what they did, but this went for 11 and a half minutes. 
I said this match is actually very sloppy, which I didn't understand because all four of these guys are really great. I also don't understand why the referee together. Yeah, I just and I also don't understand why the referee is telling Triple X not to use chairs when they can't be disqualified. There are no rules. Who cares? Is he just like trying to play the moral guys? Like, well, hey guys, that's not that's not nice. Yeah, I mean, don't hit the baby face with the chairs. Yeah, right. And after Chris Harris drops Elix Skipper with a catatonic on a steel chair, Skipper kicks out just before three, but the ref counts it anyway, and he counts to ten. AMW wins it. Ugh, I gave this two and a half stars. The finish like really took me out of it. I'm like barely kicked out, but then loses. Couldn't get back up. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then I'm like, man, I've seen so many matches between these guys that were so good. This one sucked. I gave it one star. I hated it. Yeah, I was like, what's going it's, on here? It's funny. I don't know if there's any time in wrestling where a, a match can have one star and the next pay-per-view you have five stars. Because they will at turning points. Uh, Is that but, the six sides of steel? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I had to go from like, oh, one yeah. of the worst matches you guys have ever had to probably one of the greatest cage matches in history. Yeah, the cage match that they used footage of in their highlight reel for the next like 10 years. It is that great. Yeah, I mean, it was good. Up next, after the match, Christopher Daniels nails Chris Harris in the back with a chair and then tries to handcuff him to the ropes like he did on a previous episode of Impact. But James Storm jumps Daniels, saving Harris for a second until Daniels takes him out with a chair. Daniels handcuffs Storm and Harris together, and then Daniels beats them both with a chair before security breaks him up. So it continues. Scott Hudson is now backstage with Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett tells uh, tells Jeff Hardy that without Kevin Nash, Hardy doesn't have a chance at winning tonight. So, I mean, even with Kevin Nash, he didn't, eh, we'll get into it. <laughs> In the ring, Mike Tanay reads the results of the vote for the director of authority. Dusty Rhodes takes it by 10 points. As Dusty would... Just 10, by the way. Someone like, tells me they were like it was not legit like they claim it was, because there's no way he only won by 10. I know. I'm like, who the hell is voting for Vince Russo to stick around? Like, seriously? Not even ironically is he going to get that many. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if you're not a big fan of Dusty's booking back in the NWA days, like, come on. Either way, as Dusty walks to the ring, Vince Russo shakes Larry Zabisco's hand in the back and he walks off. I forgot Larry Zabisco was there. <laughs> yeah, he was he, on the championship committee. Yeah. Yeah, but he shook uh, he shook Zabisco's hand, he walks off, and he's gone forever, bro. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes, I had to, especially with, with Russo himself. The Antichrist of pro wrestling, bro. Uh, Dusty basically delivers a stump speech in front of the crowd. His first act as director of authority is to book Triple X versus AMW in a six sides of steel at the next pay-per-view, baby. Uh, I said it's a little laughable that Dusty insinuates that TNA is about to compete with the WWE in any way, shape, or form in 2004. Man, yeah. I'll give him this. I think Turning Point was better than Armageddon, but I don't know what that's saying. I don't even remember Armageddon, so I can't There even you remember. go. <laughs> was that uh, Booker T versus Undertaker? I think it was Booker T, Eddie Guerrero, someone else, and The Undertaker. It was a Fatal 4. Oh, JBL. He was a champ. Yeah. Oh, so okay. yeah, that whole that whole event sucks. So whole I think that was also good. the uh, that was also the finals of Tough Enough. I think. Oh yeah, it was a mess of crap. <laughs> well, Turning Point yeah. was damn good though. So yeah, yeah, it's just like he's talking about them competing. I was kind of like, ah, come on, Dust. 
<laughs> uh, I, I mean, you got to stump for your company, I guess. It just, it always makes me laugh. Well, like father, like son. Am I right? <laughs> Good lord. Am I right? I'm just uh, at least one is on like you know actual cable television. These guys were still. I mean, were they even on Spike yet? No, they're or, on FS1, which yeah, had more homes than Spike. So, and they got smaller rating. <laughs> so, what's that tell you? Nobody watches FS1. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Now, back to our program. We see highlights of Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett going back and forth throughout the previous weeks. Jarrett using guitars on Hardy. Shocker. Broke a thousand guitars, never drew a dime. And he uh, accepted the ladder match with Hardy at Victory Road. Jarrett even got Petey Williams in on the, on the thing to pose as a maintenance guy at Hardy's hotel so that they can burst in the room and beat Hardy up in his hotel room. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> what the hell was going on in TNA, dude? Not to get ahead in this match, but my God, they get everybody known to man involved in this damn feud match, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear that uh, Hulk Hogan, like his when he first came to TNA, one of his first acts of, or his, like one of the first orders of business for him, he was like, we have to get Jeff Hardy. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean. Free agent, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he was wrong. It's just like, it kind of like, I, I wouldn't think of Hulk Hogan sitting there as like, we need, we need the little dude who paints himself up and, and jumps off of things. Yeah. I'm, I'm kudos to him for seeing something in Hardy. I mean, he, he was a star, is a star, but well, either way. It's like Hulk, you know, kind of a limited set, but people love him. I mean, yep. Well, just like Pritchard always said, he was like, we always thought that Matt was going to be the star of the group because he was the one who, Loved wrestling, and he was the wrestler of the two, whereas Jeff would have been happy going home and painting his, his murals and recording his music for the rest of his life. Now Jeff is thriving, and Matt just did what he just did at Full Gear. Yeah, I gotta, <sighs> gotta watch that. Is he, did, no, was it you another, don't. Gotta watch it. <laughs> was it another, like, Final Deletion type deal? Mm-hmm. Oh, goody. Looking forward to that. <laughs> the well, let's get off topic. I'm just, and Actually, it's kind of on topic because he's here. You can tell that Jeremy Borash is missing. I'm just going to say that. Just going to oh. say that. This main event was for the... It was a ladder match for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Yes, it was. they were still using the NWA titles. It went for just over 18 and a half minutes. It was Jeff Jarrett defending against Jeff Hardy. Uh, while Hardy was looking like he was 
going to win. Scott Hall ran down and hit the outsider's edge on him. Because that was another thing they pointed out, and I it confused me too. Jeff Jarrett came out alone, even though they made it known that Hall was going to be in his corner. Yeah. And instead of Hall being in his corner, he just ran down mid-match. <laughs> okay. I guess I never thought of it like that. But yeah. yeah, I was like, uh, all right. But he comes down, he hits the outsider's edge on Hardy uh, before security chases him off. Hall got involved a couple more times. The Jeffs attempted a sunset flip powerbomb like two to three times and kept effing it up. <laughs> did you catch that? I did. I, was like, I like dude. how you called them the Jeffs, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, just give up. It's, you're not going to hit it. Like, somebody, like, you're both off step. First of all, Jeff Jarrett is more of a, a map-based wrestler, so. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I feel like Hardy kept overshooting him with the move, and then Jeff just didn't have the balance. Oh, uh, Jarrett. Excuse me. God dang it, pal. Jarrett Last name pronouns, pal. <laughs> the balance to hang on. Uh, they, they tried it off the ladder. They tried it off the apron. It just, uh, it sucked. Finally manages to stop Hall with a chair and a swanton bomb. Jarrett looks like he's gonna, like he's got a clear path to victory when Kevin Nash's awful original TNA theme hits. First of like four, by the way. And Kevin Nash comes out carrying two guitars over his shoulders. Because, you know what this match needed, Greg? Was more guitars. Yeah. Uh, Scott Hall. I'm gonna get more, I'm gonna get into the, something about that after, but. Well, I remember vividly watching this when it happened. And I'm like, dude, he's clearly coming down here to give the other guitar to Jarrett. Uh, I was wrong on that part. I'll give him, I'll, give him, I'll say that. He gave us it in the hall. It's like, they're going to beat Jeff Hardy with his guitars. And yeah. sure enough, I thought this was the yeah. worst, ever, the worst thing ever. Cause I'm like, man, how did you not see this coming a mile away? Yeah. I never once bought into the fact that Nash was helping Hardy ever. Not mm-hmm. even for a split second. The band is back together. Oh, sorry, not this yet. Was NWO two thousand, but <laughs> yeah. But Scott Hall has the nerve to point out that that Kevin Nash is late. <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> Before Nash hands him a guitar, Hall, then Nash, and then Jarrett all blast Jeff Hardy with guitars. Just it was like so cartoonish. Like I and, love Jeff Hardy, but let's be honest: does do you really need three guitars to take out Jeff Hardy? Three minutes. <laughs> Yeah, like three guitars and three other men. I and one of those other men is a seven foot, three hundred pound dude. Does he really need a weapon? Right. <laughs> I, I I was so confused here. But all three men took turns Elka bonging him. Come on! And then Jarrett. Evan Ash, by the way, came out looking like Rusev on his debut wearing pajamas. You notice that? <laughs> no, I didn't. Or, excuse me, Miro. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, and Jarrett crawls up and he grabs the NWA title for the win. I gave this three stars because overall the match was fine. I, you know, it was decent. Let's say you. I gave it two. Yeah, it was. Didn't uh, like it that much. Didn't hate it to where I'm like, ugh. Uh, yeah. There's actually it, a lot more to go, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well. Wait, a lot more to go what? On this match, dude. All the run-ins oh uh my my video cut off so fill me in what happened oh well see okay so you didn't see it so hall and nash are out there they want a piece of anybody who wants a piece of them aj styles comes out you know eventually gets beat up 
and then out comes three sure. LK, you know, three up crew, because yeah. that's what they did. They always they were the perennial faces, so they had to stick up for all the other faces. Of and then course. suddenly the lights go out, and Macho Man debuts. Oh yeah, and we end with that. But like I'm sitting there doing a head count, I'm like seven people not involved in this match got involved either during or after. Seven. Well, and here's my question. Good lord, man. Why, like, it's not like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Jeff Jarrett, especially Nash, are particularly fast men. Like, Nash had all this time to walk to the ring, and you could have you could have thought, okay, he's coming out to help Hardy and even up the odds. But then he hands the guitar over. All three men take turns blasting Hardy. Jarrett has time to climb up the ladder and all this. So all these people that interfered after the match didn't come out during to help out. Yeah, right. Were they in catering and they just happened to see it on the, right. on the monitor? They were like, oh, crap, I might want to go do something. I, yeah. It's stupid. Little known fact that Macho Man's last match before his death was in TNA. Not that we and, really want to that. He, he did like a punch or two and a horrible roll up and that was it. Yeah. And didn't he just wear like a skin tight, all blacks like outfit? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, came out in a trench coat and a spoiler. That's who hat. was in the limo all night that Shane wanted to interview. So, ah, uh, I hope he didn't have to pee in there. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh! All right, well, that's the end of the show. So, I guess we'll take our final commercial break. When we come back, uh, we will go over the final ratings according to you, I, and others, and we'll talk about what's coming up in future weeks. us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at fractureme.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you. Ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. Summer vacation, here we come. Yep, I packed the craft beers I got at Total Wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites, rosés, Zinfandels. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Now, back to our program. Final ratings for the night. They didn't have one for IMDb, which is what I usually use, so I went with Canadian Online Explorer, which is, for some reason, on every single event's Wikipedia page. Uh, so they gave it a 5 out of 10. They were kind of rough. Cagematch.net gave it a 6.2 out of 10. I enjoyed it. I gave it a mm, between 7 and 7.5 out of 10. What say you? I, I thought a solid C-. minus. Fun for yeah. historical reasons. Couple of fun moments, but... Nothing. I'm like, go back and watch it right now. It's amazing. Now, see, I thought it was going to be better than what it was because when I mentioned it to you, you were like, "Oh my god, we got to watch it." And I'm like, "Well, I was like happy because like I hadn't watched one in a long time, and like should be the first ever one, though." Yeah, I mean, this was historic, you know, for like what you said. It's uh, it's historic for uh, it's the first ever Sunday pay per view that they did. You know, not one of their weekly pay per views. So, so well, as Mike today would call it, the three hour Sunday mega pay per view. Yeah, I did feel like this one dragged on in certain instances. 
all in all, for their very first ever Sunday big-time pay-per-view, I felt like it was a little weak. But it had some highlights. The The opening match was great, uh, showcasing the X Division. I thought the main event was fine. I mean, they did the classic overbooking the hell out of it and overthinking everything, but... You know, Jeff Jarrett and Jeff Hardy. Seven run-ins for the last match. And most of them were old-timers. <laughs> so, the Including last one, one of the participants, maybe even two, of the actual match. <laughs> in their defense, the last team standing match should have been good, but wasn't. They were saving it for the cage. So I'm, yeah. I'm standing on that. And then the X Division title match was good. I like that one. Uh, Monsters Ball was probably the best blah. match of the night, actually. Yeah, Monsters Ball was blah. Uh, I mean, and just some other things. They introduced some new people. I felt like the NWA World Tag Title match was kind of just there. Team Canada and Three Live Crew. I realize they were big things at the time. I just, I don't know, I wasn't feeling it. It's the thing that really got me was, you know, this is our first time on pay per view. Who do we got to throw out there? Eric Watts, Pat Kenny, Johnny B. Bad, freaking, and the minis. Like, what? And most of these matches, they kept them really short so they could make more room for the stupid storyline crap about who's in the limo and who the hell is going to be the director of authority with this fake vote. Talk about fake vote. They had Catherine Harris make sure the votes were real. Oh, yes. Well, excuse the hell out of me. I mean, I will say this. I didn't not enjoy it. So take that for what you will. <laughs> but all right. Uh, this Friday, if all things go according to plan, which they should, uh, we are going to be doing our bonus show. I've got Jacob Grandi that's going to be uh, recording with me. We are covering WWF Survivor Series 1987. The significance of that, it was the first one. So there's that. And then on November 25th, next Wednesday, you and I are closing out the month uh, with Survivor Series 2006. Underrated pay-per-view. Yeah, I don't remember a whole lot about it other than, like, one or two matches. But, yeah, you keep going on about how great it is, so I'm looking forward to watching it. And I'm getting my fill of Survivor Series, man. So far, I've, I've been watching Survivor Series 87. All in all, not a terrible show. So that bonus show should be really good. Are you sure yeah. you're watching 87? Yes. Why, you hated it? Yes. Oh, I, I didn't completely hate it. Uh, it had some had some cool moments, especially for nostalgia value. Yeah, and I've, I've recently found more TNA stuff, to, you know, more classic TNA stuff that I want you and I to kind of mix in in the future. And we'll see how this goes. If, uh, if people are liking the TNA stuff great. If there are any specific TNA events you would like us to review, you know, uh, hit us up about it. And also, if you want more of our TNA stuff, last month for the bonus show for October, we covered Bound for Glory 2010. But thanks for joining me today, Greg. Mm -hmm. We will see you all this Friday for the bonus show with me and Jacob Grandi, Survivor Series 1987, and next week on Wednesday, Survivor Series 2006. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments.
Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you. Ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. They say, if you love something, set it free. At LifeLock, we say, what a load of bull hockey. All that saving up and paying off debt, and now some identity thief wants to set it free? Crazy talk. LifeLock helps monitor your info and alerts you to potential identity threats. If you become a victim, we'll help fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but LifeLock helps you keep what's yours. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code LifeLock. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 